0: What is up? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer. I am your host, Brett McGrath. I lead marketing at The Juice. We're talking about optimizing content in this conversation. I'm joined by Zoe Hawkins. Zoe is the principal content manager at Sumo Logic, and we get into how we can make sure that we're maximizing all of the work that we have already done and how to do that. You're going to want to tune in to this conversation. I learned a ton. We also have an event. We launched an event yesterday, How to Answer What's the ROI of Your Content Marketing Program with Confidence. This event is going to be on March 9th. We're going to put the link in the show notes. As I'm recording this, we do not quite have the speaker list finalized, but it will be as this goes live. So check it out. We're going to have some awesome names on there, and we're going to help answer a question that a lot of marketers are struggling with right now. Obviously, if you're enjoying the show, tell a friend. We do appreciate that. But without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. Excited for this one. We are going to be talking about steps we can take to optimize existing content. I am joined by Zoe Hawkins, who's a principal content manager at Sumo Logic, We got connected by a mutual friend and we got to talking. And I don't know, there's this theme going on right now of doing more with less and making sure we're maximizing content that we've always, we've already created. And when I talked with Zoe in our intro call, it's like, you know what? She's not only doing it, she's living in it and doing it for a pretty successful company who produces a lot of content. So I just said a lot, but Zoe, welcome. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Do you tell everyone you're excited about this one? Is that like, is that a line? It it might, it (laughs) might, it might be a line, but, but I I will
0: say this, I'll be straight up. Like I try not to bring people on this show who I'm not excited about because I want to be able to learn from the individuals on the other side and so often we get in anybody who runs a podcast knows this. So often you get these pitches and they don't excite you and you, you take them and you're like, why did I do that? Um, but <laughs> I don't know. I am excited. I do say it all the time, but that it doesn't make any difference for this one. This well, I'm excited be
1: to be here. You know, I'm very excited and, and so grateful to be on the show with you. So I'm really excited to chat content and optimization and you know swimming through the massive massive libraries of you know when you get a site and you're like oh there's thousands of pieces great yeah
0: (laughs) can we maybe start with just to set the stage maybe share a little bit about sumo logic and for anyone who's unfamiliar maybe just like what what you all do and then just like the role of content at sumo logic and how you kind of fit in
1: yeah, so Sumo Logic is a SaaS analytics company dealing with tons and tons of data and helping uh, the people who develop, deliver, and secure um, the world's mission-critical applications. You know, keep their applications reliable and secure. That's that's the an ultimate goal. You don't want your app crashing, and you don't want a breach. You know, and, and we help people. You know, manage those those priorities. As far as content goes, there is so much of it. Like, I don't even know where to start. We have extensive documentation and learning teams. We have a blog that's been active for, you know, the 10, 12 years since the founders wrote the very first, like, hi, we're here kind of blog. We have an extensive glossary, which is kind of the, you know, what a glossary sounds like, but it's it's quite large that we manage giving all the definitions for this space and helping people understand it better, as well as solutions pages, case studies, white papers, webinar, you know, the list just goes on and on and on.
0: I wanted to start there because I figured your answer was going to be a laundry list of (laughs) content platforms that you all have all created based on my investigation. And the point of that was to let the audience know that like pretty sophisticated content program at Sumo Logic. And I think part of probably some of what Zoe, I wanted the listeners to know that context because part of what you'll be talking with, they probably need to know that there's a lot going on. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't optimize content if we have one stream, but just wanted to make sure the audience had that knowledge before we get into it.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I've done this at other companies before, you know, startups where the library wasn't as extensive, but still quite large. You know, you end up with a documentation for even a a relatively new startup tool or something like that. You end up with tons of docs, tons of blogs, um, and you look back on them sometimes and you go, where did who wrote this? Where did this come from? So, yeah, definitely, definitely done it on teams large and small.
0: We can't start talking about optimizing without maybe talking about the old way or how we how we used to do things or maybe some how some of you out there are still doing things and I liken it to the content factory and um I've said this a lot, but you know it wasn't that long ago where like me in a content role, I felt like every day I needed to publish something new and I needed to send it and make sure that Google was happy about what we were publishing, because that is how we got seen and how we were getting noticed. Well, everyone started to do it. And then all of a sudden, like the results lessened and kind of we as marketers had to take a step back and reevaluate. And I think optimizing content fits into this, but I wanted to ask you like, what are some reasons, maybe, that you think that this uh, old way or content factory approach is not the best way to go about the way we do things in 2023?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's so many different reasons. You know, if we just think about like the the vast quantity of content that's being published on a day to day basis, like there aren't enough eyeballs in the world to read how much content is being published, and so you know, and I think all of us have also gotten a bit pickier with our time. You know, granted, I will happily scroll through TikTok for longer than I care (laughs) to admit, Um, but when it comes to reading a blog or reading stuff around work, I'm very picky. I want to only read like really good content. I'm not going to read some random blog where I don't get any value out of it. Um, You know, same with newsletters, all of that sort of stuff. Like we've all become really um, picky and we want the good content to just come to us. Like we don't want to have to work hard to find it. We want it to just be readily available when we want it, when we need it. And so I think there just is a a different way that we consume content. I'm not going to read a company blog every week just, you know, for fun. Like, that's not a thing. I don't know if it was ever a thing. And I think that's the other thing. Like, content marketers are realizing, you know, if you're publishing 100 pieces, how much time and energy is going into that versus maybe publishing less and getting more out of it, which is also relevant, like, with our current economic situation, like, a lot of teams are getting smaller, Resources are getting tighter. You know, you can't have a contractor or a content team on staff that can just churn out mountains of content. You really have to be pickier and and really focus in on on what's going to bring value.
0: You said something there that I definitely want to hit on, and that's this um, idea of we just want like the good stuff to come to us. And I think this maybe mirrors uh, what how we behave on the consumer side, right? Like with what we watch uh what we listen to it's an app right on our TV it's an app on our phone and then all of a sudden we're being introduced to stuff that is like other stuff that we've listened to or watched and then all of a sudden we become a fan of a new band or a fan of a new program and i think if you look at that experience you take a step back what's happening on the the B2B side and the way we you know get introduced to content like that that's that doesn't happen the same way so i guess like Before we get into optimizing content is like one of the thoughts, if you're spending time optimizing your content and not distributing or producing new content all the time is the thought that you're considering like what are these paths or trails to get your content seen in front of the right people at the right time.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I think, you know, all the all the smartest people who talk about content marketing have said similar versions of the same thing that in the end, it's a human being on the other side who you're going to interact with. You know, it's a person who needs to find your content, who needs to resonate with it, who then needs to champion like, hey, we should get on a demo call with this company or we need to learn more or talk about this and and really push that forward, you know. As much as we think that businesses make rational decisions, they really don't. You know, it's all a bunch of people put in a group. It's just more people than just your usual consumer one. And so you have a group of humans that need to consume this content. And where are they? Maybe they're on LinkedIn. Maybe they're on Twitter. Maybe they're subscribed to certain newsletters. And so there is a distribution aspect of it, but also really always remembering like there's a person on the other end. Like there's not a logo on the other end, you're never going to talk directly to a company as some sort of amorphous entity. It's like, you're going to talk to, you know, a specific person on the other side.
0: We're going to get into the tactics, but I want to know maybe like for from you, this is a world you're living in right now, like definition uh, on optimization, like content optimization, like what does it mean to you and maybe how should marketers be thinking about it?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I think it's kind of giving yourself permission to have written a C paper first and now Mm -hmm. it's time to edit it and turn it into an A paper. You know, we all have the blogs that either we inherited or we published in the before times of the the factory where it was just a churn and burn. You know what? We got to get something out for Tuesday. Let's just publish it. It's good enough. And then you look back and you're like, "Mm, maybe it's not good enough anymore. Or maybe it's a really solid piece that's just aging. You know, three years old, five years old, ideas have moved forward. So to me, optimizing is taking... A piece of content, whether it's kind of average and needs a a bit of a zhuzh, or if it's already awesome and just needs some fresh polish, it's taking a piece and really augmenting It's value to the reader. So that can mean that it makes it easier for them in their buyer journey and improves kind of optimization from, you know, essentially turning them into a lead and helping them understand your product better. But also it could just be making it more entertaining, making it more consumable, making it more shareable and interesting to a wider audience.
0: So I love everything you said there. I think the challenge that we all have as marketers, especially like people who are creating regularly is ripping ourselves out of that hamster wheel of podcast video articles newsletter and like taking a step back and saying you know what like it's it's cool to not create anything new for two three weeks and in fact instead we're gonna like spend time optimizing i guess like maybe this could be a, a personal story from uh your journey at sumo logic working through this but like What is that moment in time that happens with inside the business where it's like the catalyst to say like, okay, like we need to stop what we're doing and take a step back and start thinking about how we begin to optimize our content?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's really hard. I'm not going to lie. Like it's really, really hard in any organization because so many people are trained Like, okay, we publish a blog every week, or we publish two blogs a week, or we publish every day, whatever the the cadence is, um, it's really hard to get people to slow down, especially because they think like, well, the last time we paused, we had no traffic. It's like the last time you paused, you didn't do anything like, you know, and so what I found really worked, at least for me was to identify some of those blogs early on that needed a little bit of love, that needed a little bit of polish, that needed an update, and optimize those like wholesale, you know, gave them like imagery, fresh writing, new Mm -hmm. links, you know, the whole shebang. And then continued on the hamster wheel, you know, kind of did that in the background, continued on the hamster wheel. And then after a couple months was able to show like, hey, remember that thing we did? Look at this like hockey stick that we got as a result can we please do this to everything else? Because I think sometimes you need a little bit of data or a lot of data. You know, you need that data to be able to show, like, hey, this is what works. We got to do more of it. and then and then building that buy-in through that, through success,
0: getting down in the weeds a little bit on this because I'm fascinated by it, where did you target specific pieces that, had certain traits, whether it was, was it more age, like we need a refresh or was it more like this piece is like a high performing piece. And if we made some tweaks, then maybe we'll, you know, drive more people to it by those updates. Like, was there one, was it many approaches or was there one exclusive that you kind of focused in on?
1: Yeah. So great question. I love it. Cause this is the thing that I'm always playing with of like, do we take the good ones and make them better? (laughs) Do we take like the terrible ones and make them okay? Like, what do we do? And so what I found is kind of a a balance of a few different approaches. So we had one or two that were core to the business, like core to who we are and what we do, that just weren't ranking, that were kind of like third, fourth, fifth page of Google, just kind of like languishing there, had originally performed pretty well and had just fallen off. And so those were a couple that we started with. But then I also found a mixture, one of my favorite things to do is to find the blogs that are ranking between like four and 20 on Google because you've already done a good job. Like you're already almost in the top three. It doesn't feel like as big a lift to get them into that number one spot. Even for a keyword that doesn't have like the highest volume, if you can show like, hey, this was sitting somewhere on position eight and now it's number one, that gets people really excited and gets the writers excited mm. gets business excited and so that's what i did like we we picked some some pages that used to be performing really well that had kind of died off as well as some pages that never really you know cracked that top 3 position that were so close that just needed a little bit of attention and all of them you know sprang up pretty quickly
0: when you're like in the audit mode and evaluating, like I guess, what are some examples or tactics? Or I know you mentioned imagery, and there's probably some keyword stuff. But like, how are you like how are you analyzing a piece of content, and how do you know where to make? specific changes that might um have a positive impact.
1: Yeah. So there's kind of like the bare minimum checklist that I think every piece needs. Um, so that's stuff like imagery, like we said, you know, some internal linking, making sure that you haven't fallen off like the link cliff, which um I feel like sometimes we do where we only link backwards in blogs. We never kind of go back and link forward. So, you know, pulling in some fresh links into these older pieces. Also really, like you say, you know, there's some degree, I really am not afraid of like AI optimization tools. You don't want to destroy someone's voice. You don't want to over optimize, but, you know, running it through some of those to get some of those extra keywords, suggestions of like, hey, if you're talking about this topic and you don't mention these in these terms, you might be missing out on like, some explanation that's needed. You know, you put a subject matter expert with those words and they're like, oh yeah, I forgot. Like we left out a whole section about this topic. So I, I do use some some AI tools for that as well because they're just so helpful and, and speed up that process. But also some of the things like, I went through a whole process as part of our optimization at Sumo Logic on our blog you know, there were some older pieces where maybe the author didn't have a bio or it didn't link to their LinkedIn in our little like author section. And I mean, that's an easy thing to reach out and be like, hey, do you have a bio? Can I link to your Twitter or your LinkedIn? Or, you know, can we get a picture on there? Something like that. And it feeds that Google knowledge engine of like, oh, this was an actual expert who wrote this. Cool. We'll give it a little bit more SEO juice.
0: So, you said the word the 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 buzziest of buzzwords right now. <laughs> I know. <I'm> sorry. <laughs> I I, people 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 would say like they'd quit listening to this show if I didn't ask an AI related question of based course. off this um so i and I'm going I've like told myself anytime someone on the show brings up an AI, AI, you're going to ask this question. So you're going to, you're, I think you might be the first person to get it. So you're uh, welcome. What's the balance? What's the balance with AI and human? And I know the use case for which you just described is probably different than the way most people are talking about AI and content marketing right now. Maybe, maybe it's the same. I don't know. But like, what's the balance between just like human and machine to help get to where you want to be with optimization or whatever? Content project you're working on?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's all about treating it like a tool, um, which feels really weird because I read a lot of sci-fi and I'm like, oh, it could be alive one day. But I, I treat AI like a tool as it is at this point still. So, for example, like and totally unpaid, I'm not like endorsing any products, but like I use Market Muse. It's great. It does all this optimization and it's very colorful. Um, which gets my writers motivated as well. And so that's like able to use AI and machine learning to pull what keywords are going to rank and and give some suggestions there. But like, I laugh when I see some of this chat GPT stuff that goes around, like my LinkedIn was flooded with it for weeks. I I think I actually like blocked it at a certain point. I was like, can we stop? I don't want to hear this anymore. Um, But it's very much like garbage in, garbage out. And so I think if you're not asking good questions, if you're not really using it as a jumping off point, you're not gonna really differentiate yourself any more than you would if you used Grammarly or you know a Google Doc in general. Like these are all tools that we have and it really depends on how we use them and what we consider that. Like I would consider a chat GPT answer to be like a minimum threshold and maybe it helps you get inspired. Maybe it helps you like, change the way you're thinking about something a little bit. But if you just are copy pasting that, you're probably not going to come out ahead.
0: So first of all, shout out Market News. We're big fans of, of Market News, So completely acceptable to We're not going to edit that out. We'll plug them all day. <laughs> um, okay. Getting back into the optim, uh, optimization of it all. And I want to maybe hit this from the perspective of like, communicating to external stakeholders. So it's like, I'm, I'm Zoe, I am working on optimizing our content and I'm trying to do this because I'm trying to get us better results and I'm trying to get more people to our site and more go down the rabbit hole. If you're spending your time on an optimization project, like how do you know when it's working and then like, how do you communicate those results back to other stakeholders with inside your business?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's some of the like classic things that people do that I do just as badly as everyone else, you know, like I'll plug the the link into SEMrush, you know, kind of organic tracking. And I'm like, come on, show me the keywords, give me that list, like, come on, you can do it. And, and I'll, I'll obsessively track that, even though it takes a while. Uh, same with Google Analytics, you know, I end up with Way too many tabs tracking, you know, is the piece lifting yet? Is it not? Mm. All of that. So definitely not going to pretend like I'm just like, oh, I have patience and I can wait for these metrics to come in. But I also, so one of the things I do whenever I optimize a piece is I, I send it over to our social team. It's nice to have a social team at Sumo Logic. Mm. I will say that I used to have to push all the buttons myself in other roles. So all the, all the sympathy for people who are doing all the things at once, but, um, I send it over to our social team to say like, okay, like treat this like a new blog, treat this like a brand new piece. And so it goes out on all of our social channels. Again, it can go out in our newsletters again, like it kind of gets resurfaced as if it was brand new. So that's one thing that helps me see, like, oh, this piece that was actually written three years ago that just got like a fresh coat of paint and, you know, a little bit more love is actually getting a ton of engagement on social. This is still relevant. Like, this is still interesting for people. This optimization was worthwhile. So that's one measure of that. I also really value kind of intrinsic value, it, I know this is going to sound like very hard to measure and hard to report out is like, you know, when you're doing good work, I think, like, I think as content marketers, we know when we're pushing average work and when something is really solid and like what we actually want to share on our own channels, you know, like there's that piece where we're kind of like, oh, I'll share every blog. Cause I work on every blog and most content marketers kind of fall off doing that. And they're like, mm, that's the company's problem. I'm not going to share this. And then you make a piece of content and you're like, I'm really proud of this. Like, I want to share this with my network. So um, that feeling, I think, is the goal. Like, you mm. want your content. You want to be proud of your content. You want to stand behind it and and want to share it with your network. So I think there's that element of content quality that's kind of innate that we just have to know while we wait for the SEO rankings and the Google Analytics and the Google Search Console impressions and all those other indicators to catch up.
0: So, likely, I would say probably most people that aren't listening um, probably are maybe pushing the social button themselves too. Like, maybe don't mm-hmm. have as mature of uh, teams and uh, marketing team built out as you all at Sumo Logic. And I'm curious, like people are listening to this and they are maybe a team of one, three, five, but they're they're responsible for producing new and then now also like optimizing old. Like what is what is what do you think the balance is? like how do you allocate your time? Because I think you know anyone who produces content knows it takes up a lot of time. And then I'm sure anyone who spent time optimizing content, knows that takes up a lot of time. So how do we prioritize the both of those if we if we're one person trying to do both?
1: Yeah. So what I found is I would try and optimize at least one piece per week if I could, which can be a really tall task, so like I'm not putting pressure on anyone to to hit that, but like if you can publish one a week, a new one and then optimize one a week, that felt like a pretty good cadence when I still had that hamster wheel pressure to just go go go. I think it also re- depends on your business and your kind of like times of year. So, for example, you might be coming up on a product launch and you need to have, you know, a ton of new content lined up for that. That's going to be your priority. Like 100%, that's your focus, that's what gets your energy. But if you're in a slower period or if there's a delay on product launches, which I think every, you know, marketer has had had that sort of like hurry up and wait moment, That's where you kind of try and carve out some of the time. So, for example, when I was at DGraph, there was a December time that got pretty quiet. We weren't going to be publishing new content because no one's reading it really anyway. And that's when I did like a whole optimization project in our docs because no one was around to tell me I couldn't. (laughs) And so I, I was able to spend a week or two just doing that and like solely focused on that. And then go back in January and get back on the hamster wheel and just enjoy the success of seeing that optimization pay off to then be able to say to people like, look what I was able to do when Mm -hmm. I was focused on that. Like, maybe we should carve out more, you know, gaps in the year where we can all focus on this, you know, on really identifying those older pieces, collaborating as a team. Cause that's also nice. Like if you can get buy-in across your organization and maybe the CEO or whoever who wrote a blog, you know, however many years ago is like, oh, I wrote something about this a while back. I could give that another look. You know, it gets people excited to kind of do what might otherwise seem a little bit boring.
0: I know the answer is this is definitely an answer that it just depends and it's different for everyone. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm I'm saying that in advance. I'll just but... say
1: it depends. Uh-huh. There you go. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: But the um, so. Uh, I think the the struggle that some people might have with optimizing is that uh, people who aren't in content roles don't always necessarily know that stuff takes a little while, and um, it takes you know weeks or months to start seeing results on something we did you know today or yesterday. I guess like with what you've experienced with your uh, optimizing project, like when are you able? Like, is there a time frame around a time frame where you're able to start saying, like, here are the results we can expect, and this is how long it takes? And I'm a reason I'm teeing this up is because I know there's people who are under the gun right now, and people are saying we need more, we need more results right now, just based on the circumstances of what's happening with the industry right now.
1: Yeah. So I think there's a few different things that you can start seeing results really fast. And then the longer term results will only get better. So for example, I usually, if I optimize a blog and we reshare it, you know, you'll get that little bit of a bump already from social, um, or your other platform, you know, your other channels that you're sharing on, you'll get a little bit of a bump and that should kick off your SEO a little bit. And so what I often say, like, if I've got a blog and I can get kind of a 4X lift on it in terms of traffic and look, I mean, it could be the type of thing where it went from getting like one or two views and now it's at like, you know, 10 views, eight views, whatever. Like I'm not always talking about, you know, from a hundred to 400, you know, any kind of thing where I can show, oh, it's already showing a 4X lift, a 10X lift based on these very low original numbers you can start sharing those signals out to your team of like, we're already seeing this pick up. Like we're already seeing this do better. And then I try and set a reporting cadence for those kinds of things to not be, like to maybe be either monthly or quarterly. So you can say like, hey, we did this we're already seeing some positive signs. Let me give you a fuller readout at the end of the month and then come back at the end of the month and be like, this piece had 10X and this piece had 4X. And this piece is now one of our top rated pieces of content, like kind of give it a little bit of color. And sometimes it feels like vanity stats and maybe that's okay while you're waiting for like the rest of the numbers to come in, but kind of, with those until you have the quarter, I would say, if you're not seeing results within between a month and a quarter, the optimization isn't really working that well. And you might want to like reevaluate what you optimized and how you, how you did it, but you should be seeing those results within either a month to a quarter to be able to really report back and be like, look, we did it. Like these pieces are working. And, you know, also kind of, this is something that's common in like the tech space is the goal is not 100% like if you strive for 100% you're going to miss it you're going to be the perfectionist who's like well it didn't work because it's not perfect mm. um you know if you optimize 10 pieces and 8 of them start becoming better that's a win like take the win learn maybe from those one or two that didn't do as well but maybe that's just a fluke or maybe it's a topic that's declining or whatever it might be like don't beat yourself up on it keep going with the optimization project and and take those eight eight wins for what they are
0: so we we covered a lot of ground here a lot of new information on this podcast which i think is awesome and i think everyone out there who's listening will benefit from it maybe in closing it could be something you already stated we're going to we can restate or it can be something completely new but what is one piece of advice that you want to give to listeners who might get started on an optimization project with their content soon?
1: Yeah, I think I think the biggest piece of, or the, the singular piece that I would say is, you know, find the quick wins so that you can show the success to your team. You know, find those blogs or pages on your site that are ranking between three and 20 on Google. Like that's always my first place to start because you're already so close that just a few optimizations can really get you to that top page. We already know like being positioned one to three on Google is exponentially better than being positioned even seven or eight on the search listing. So get those quick wins because that's how you're going to get everybody else excited. That's how you're going to start building some momentum that everyone says like, oh, my piece, my blog did this. And, you know, they kind of get that ownership and excitement. And then they're willing to kind of carve out more time and energy for, you know, a bigger project. This was a fun
0: topic. Hopefully it helps people get off of that hamster wheel. Zoe, thank you so much for coming by and dropping your insights. Had fun.
1: Me too. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Sometimes it is fun to get into the weeds and learn more about optimizing. I think, if we take a step back and look at everything we've created from the last month, three months, six months, year, there's a tremendous amount of opportunities to get that content in front of a new set of eyes. Appreciate Zoe coming on board and having that conversation. You all have a great weekend. Take care of yourselves, and we'll be back again next week.